Hey everybody, welcome to the Toowoomba Vineyard Church podcast. We are a brand new church here in Toowoomba, Queensland, and we are discovering the joy of following Jesus together. If you want to find out more about what we're up to, stick around at the end for the details. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. Um, I wonder, do any of you have those friends that you've kept in touch with for a long time? Like, you know, for me, since high school, that's a very long time. Uh, a long time means different things to different people, right? But, I want, I, you know, you have those friends you've had for a long time and you kind of watch them, like you just see how people change over time. And it's, isn't it interesting to reflect back and just think about, you know, your, your little groups that you used to have and where everyone's at now. Um, I've only got two friends uh, that I still catch up with regularly from high school and both of them listen to our podcast. So I wanted to quickly shout out to my friend Matt. Can everyone say hi, Matt? Hi. Great. And can everyone say, hi, Paul? Hi, Paul. Yeah. Um, you, you know you have true friends when they listen to your podcast every week, even though they don't come to your church. They also have disciple names. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Um, but it, it's interesting kind of watching how people's lives change over time, right? And um, particularly when you think about their, their walk with faith, uh, how, how that changes as well. And there's this one friendship group that Jen and I were involved with when we were like 18, 19 years old. Uh, it was sort of like not our church group, but it was kind of connected to our church group. And, uh, you know, we'd go out to the pub after church on a Sunday night and, you know, we'd spend time together. And everyone was like on fire for Jesus. You know, it was this group of people, like literally everyone in the group was studying at Bible college except for Jen and I. They all wanted to be pastors except for Jen and I, um, which is kind of funny in hindsight. Um, and it wasn't just like, it was like a genuine passion. Like these guys were serious about, you know, about following Jesus with their lives. Um, but a little while ago, Jen and I did a bit of a stock take and we realized um, that of all of this, it was a pretty big group of all of these people, almost none of them still follow Jesus. Almost not, like there's only a handful. And ironically, Jen and I are the only pastors from the group. Um, but yeah, we discuss, and those, those who are still following Jesus aren't interested in the church anymore. Um, and that's a kind of crushing realization to have that these people you journeyed with, these people who inspired you when you were younger, they haven't stuck it out. And that was hard. Um, but if I'm really honest, when I talk to them and ask them questions about it, I don't blame them. Um, I, why would I say that? Well, I don't want to reduce their stories uh, and their different experiences down to just one factor. But one of the common threads is, as we have discussions with these friends, one of the common threads we find is that the people that they were doing church with, um, the leaders of their churches, the role models they had uh, in the faith, um, had this problem where that there was a mismatch between what they believed and what they'd preach about and talk about in Bible study and the way they'd live their lives when no one else was watching. You know, there's this, this disconnect between their belief and their behaviour. Now, I think one of the reasons, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if others of you can, can think about times that you've been crushed by realising that people have, live a different way to what they preach about. Um, and I think part of the reason that's so common in the Western church is because we've bought into this idea that faith, that the Christian faith is all about doctrines. It's about you need to believe the right things, you need to have the right 
you know, doctrine of the atonement and you need to have the right belief about this, this and this. And when you get all the beliefs the right way, then you're in the club, you know. And if you don't have the right doctrines uh, and you don't believe the right things and you don't say the right things, then, then you know, you're a bit, you know, you're a bit off. We'll just keep you at arm's length because you're one of those weird progressives or, or whatever. But the problem is when you... When you pick up the Bible, when you open to Matthew chapter 5 and start reading Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, there's absolutely no room for that approach to faith. Because absolutely doctrine is important. I'm not saying it isn't. But if that's all you have, that's, it's almost meaningless. And when you read through the Sermon on, your mat, on the Mount, you discover that following Jesus isn't just a set of doctrines. It's a way of life. It permeates our thoughts. It permeates our feelings our conversations, our relationships, it, it, it kind of seeps through everything. And so the reason that we're doing this series is because it's my prayer that as we um, start this beautiful new church, as we um, grow in relationship together, as we form a culture, I want to pray that we would be a church known for our integrity, that who we are on the outside and what we present to people outside would be the same as who we are deep down when no one else is watching. That we be a people not just who have great, great beliefs and you know, clever talks and um, the right doctrines, but we want to be a people known for our love. We want to be the kind of people where the way that we act is the same as what we talk about. And so that's the heart behind this series. Um, when Jen and I were finishing up at Northridge before we moved up to Toowoomba, when I realised that I had one last series to write, I thought really hard, okay, what is the one thing I want to leave this beautiful community of people with. And it was this series. And so for the same reason, I wanted this to be one of the first series that we do as a church community as well. So here we are. Um, You've you've seen a list of the talks already, so you kind of know what's coming up. Um, But let's let's get into it. Let's get stuck in. If you've got a Bible, um, open it up, switch it on, and we're going to start on Matthew chapter 5. And just while you're doing that, let me give you a little bit of context for this passage of Scripture. Let me just make sure I've got it here too. Yeah, I've got it here too. Um, So it's really hard for us to remember sometimes that when Jesus first came on the scene, he wasn't particularly famous, or at least not in the way that he is now. Jesus was this wandering rabbi from a town like way, way out west, you know? Like he's basically from a bogan town. Um, And people were a bit you know, curious about him uh, when they find it out. But this guy, this, this guy from way, way out west, there were these rumours that when he prayed for people, they'd get healed. And that when he would speak, he'd speak with a kind of authority that, that they hadn't heard before. And so people were curious. And so now we don't know if this, the Sermon on the Mount was like one sermon uh, in a particular point of time or whether it's kind of like a collection of Jesus' most common teachings um, but for our purposes, you know, I think it's fair to imagine, um, just, just maybe even close your eyes and just imagine um, this, this teacher, Jesus, is in town and, and no one quite knows what to make of him. And there's a rumour that he's going to preach on a mountainside. And so he's on the mountain, he's with his disciples and people start gathering. You know, hundreds, maybe thousands of people are gathered on this mountainside to hear this, this man preach. They don't know who he is, they don't know... Uh, what he's going to say. But you know when you go to a concert and there's that moment where everyone's kind of chatting and everyone's sort of waiting and then suddenly out of nowhere the lights go down and then everyone goes quiet. You know that moment? 
yeah, so, so this is that moment. So, so capture that feeling and let's read what happens next. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. We've got that, that silence. We've got that pause. What does Jesus say? He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If I'm really honest with you, if I were going to be, if I were in Jesus' shoes and I was planning a sermon, I probably wouldn't start that way. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Like I would, you would expect that Jesus would stand up and sort of address, you know, start off with an address like, hi, everyone, I'm Jesus. I'm, you know, from, you know, actually, I'm not going to tell you where I'm from because that's a bit embarrassing, but I'm going to talk to you a bit about, you know, but he doesn't do that, does he? He's, he kind of goes for like the sort of uh, surprise opening a little bit. Um, and so I want to start by talking, you know, to understand how this kicks off the sermon, I want to start by looking at this word blessed or blessed because it comes up just a few times in the passage and it's kind of key to understanding what is going on, why Jesus would open with this. Now, it's helpful to remind ourselves sometimes that the Bible wasn't actually written in English. It was written in a combination of Hebrew, Greek, and a tiny little bit of Aramaic. And the passage you have just read was originally in Greek. Now, the Greek word uh, that's used here, um, to, that, that's translated as, uh, um, as, as blessed, is this Greek word makarios. And makarios, it's, it's this word that kind of means like happy or privileged. So the ancient Greeks, when they were, t- when they were talking about the, the Greek gods living up on Mount Olympus, having a great time, you know, having the finest wine, having, you know, just, just relaxing and enjoying life, they would say that they were makarios. They were happy or they were blessed. They were kind of privileged in a certain way. And some translations of the, the, this passage we've just read, um, which we sometimes call the Beatitudes from the, the Latin word translated as blessed, um, some translations actually say, happy are the poor in spirit, happy are the meek. But the other thing that I've discovered uh, is that this word makarios, it could also kind of be used like almost like a greeting. You know, so you know how in some cultures they'll say, you know, to greet someone you say peace or you say, um, you know, shalom. It would be another example of that. You could say makarios as a greeting, kind of as a way of almost like congratulations, like, that's not quite it, but it's, it's like kind of coming up to saying to someone and saying, congratulations, like, you know, your, you know, your life is, is good. Like, look at you, go you, you know, it's, so it's a greeting. And so when we keep that in mind, suddenly as the opening passage of this epic sermon, it makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? It's almost like Jesus is coming up to these people and he's saying, are you poor in spirit? Congratulations. You know, are you... Are you meek? Are you the kind of person that gets trodden on and pushed to the side? Congratulations. 
Are you grieving right now? Are you mourning the loss of someone you love? Congratulations. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's really bizarre, but this is, but when you, when you think of it as this kind of greeting, it's like Jesus is greeting people, but the last people that you would expect. So let's try and figure out why Jesus would say this almost nonsensical uh, set of verses here. So we're going to talk for a moment about what the Beatitudes are not. And there's two things that they're not. The first thing is I want to suggest that the Beatitudes are not true. Just I'll let you kind of sit on that one. It's okay. I'm not like, I'm not saying Jesus is lying, but just, just work with me here. When you, you know, we often read the Bible in the context of expecting that it's like delivering truth to us, right? And in the past, people have read this as a set of truths almost. But when you think about it, if you think about it really literally, is someone who is grieving Makarios, you know, are they, are they do you, would you put them in the same category as the Greek gods living it up on Mount Olympus? Now, if you've been around church for a long time, maybe you can do some mental gymnastics and make that work. But if you ever grieved, like genuinely grieved, you don't feel like you're in a privileged position in that moment. Um, you know, uh, the, the merciful, are the, are the merciful blessed? Well, in my experience, when you step outside of the Christian bubble, what normally happens to merciful people is they get trampled on. They don't get shown mercy. Maybe you could, you know, maybe you can make a, a case for the, the peacemakers uh, and the pure in heart being blessed. You know, there's, there's definitely some truth to that. But then you get back to those who are persecuted because of righteousness Objectively, those people aren't Makarios, at least in the way that you would normally think. I want to show you a passage of Jewish wisdom that was written about 200 years before Jesus spoke these words. Uh, And I'm going to read off the screen here. It's from the wisdom of Ben Sirah, 25, 7 to 9. I can think of nine whom I would call blessed and a tenth whom my tongue proclaims. Blessed is the man who delights in his children and the one who lives to see the downfall of his enemies. Blessed is the one who lives with a sensible wife, yep, uh, and the one who does not plough with the ox and ass together, because no one wants to do that, right? Blessed is the one who does not sin with a tongue and the one who does not serve an inferior. Blessed is the one who finds a friend and the one who speaks to an attentive audience. You guys being very attentive, thank you. Um, this, like, this is truth, right? You know, in, in the sense of this is, this is saying things that are obviously true, uh, and if you think about this, this word makarios in its context, this makes a lot more sense than what Jesus is saying. Now, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to hold these up to say that this is, Jesus was specifically responding to this, but this kind of thinking would have been you know, fairly common and fairly understood to the people that Jesus was speaking to. Certainly the religious leaders would have known uh, this passage very well. And so what Jesus is doing is he's almost, he's subverting these, thing, these kind of cultural truisms of, of who is successful, who is elevated, who's lucky, and he's turning it on his head. But the point of all of this, what I'm trying to say is that we, when we read through the Beatitudes, we're not reading Jesus trying to proclaim some kind of, some kind of truth to people. If, you, if you're still freaking out, it's okay, just, just work with me here. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of come, come full circle a little bit. The second thing that I don't think the Beatitudes are is they're also not a list of commands or a list of virtues. 
Now, that might be surprising to hear me say that because one of the most common interpretations of this passage throughout history has been to say, well, this is what, if, if you're part of the kingdom of heaven, if you're a Christian, then this is what you're supposed to be like. You know, you're supposed to humble yourself so that you fit into these categories. And I actually, I was reading a, a commentary as I was preparing for this talk that was going through each one of the, these eight statements and saying, well, this is how you're supposed to do this one. Now, the reason I don't think this one works is because although it could be true for some of them, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, you can be a peacemaker. You get to choose that. Uh, blessed are, you know, um, uh, the, but blessed are the poor in spirit. Can you, can you really make yourself poor in spirit? If you do some kind of like theological hermeneutical gymnastics, then you can, you can make that work. But it just, it, can't, it doesn't seem to be what Jesus is trying to do here. Like, it works for some, but not for others. And so I don't think that's the idea of this passage is to go, Jesus, you know, saying, if you want to be in the kingdom, you need to be like this. And so what is this passage about? What are the Beatitudes? Well, I want to suggest to you that the Beatitudes are kind of like a map. A map of the kingdom of God. I'm not saying they actually are a map, but I want to say they're like a map. So what do we mean? Let's let's take this backwards. What do we mean by the kingdom of God? Well, when we talk about the kingdom of God, the simplest way to express express that, it's it's wherever God is king. When God is king, then that's the kingdom of God. Now, that's, that's great. Like, that's a correct definition. What does that actually mean? What does that feel like? Well, imagine a war-torn country that's been subjected to an awful, awful dictator for a long time. And there's, there's been wars, there's been famine, there's been injustice. You would say you're, in, you're under the reign of or in the kingdom of that dictator. But then imagine um, that a liberator comes along and frees, frees you from that dictator and suddenly everything changes. You know, the war that used to be there, the war stops, the fighting stops. The injustice stops. People who've been wronged are, uh, are set free. People who've been wrongly imprisoned are released. And so you would say you're no longer under the, the rule of or in the kingdom of the dictator. You're now in the kingdom of um, the liberator. And so the kingdom doesn't refer so much to a, a geographical place as the kingdom refers to um, the reign or the rule or what happens under the authority of God. So that's the kingdom. And Jesus, when Jesus showed up, there was nothing he talked about more than the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was Jesus' number one passion topic, and it's what he spent all his ministry trying to tell people about, but also show people through his miracles, his acts of mercy, uh, his acts of subversive hospitality. And so if that's the kingdom of God, in what way are the Beatitudes a map? Well, we're going to look at a map now. (laughs) <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the most accurate map I could find of Australia. <laughs> um, you know, so this is, this is a map. So what's this doing? We, we recognise that immediately as Australia because we're Australians, right? But what a map is doing, this, especially this particularly, you know, well-drawn, thought-out map, is it tells us the boundaries of a place. And so if I point over here, you would know that that's land, you know, because that's roughly Toowoomba, you know, when we're on land, we're not in the ocean. But if I point over here, you know that's the ocean, right? 
It's, it sounds very obvious. I'm kind of laboring this point, but what the map does is it shows us when we're in or out of a certain place. It kind of defines the boundaries of something so that we can know when we're in or out of it. And that's exactly what I think Jesus is doing in the Beatitudes. Because as we're going to discover, the, the underlying theme, the thing that that's, that's kind of sums up the whole, uh, the whole Sermon on the Mount that we're going to go through over the next, I think, nine weeks, is this concept of the kingdom of God. It's Jesus showing you what the kingdom of God is like. And he opens with the Beatitude because he's trying to show us He's trying to show us the boundaries of when you're in or out of the kingdom. When you're in the kingdom, the poor in spirit are blessed. When the kingdom is present, those who mourn are blessed because they're comforted. When you're in the kingdom, the meek don't get trodden on. The people that society kind of wants to push to the side because they don't really have anything to offer. They're too quiet. They're too... You know, off, you know, off with the fairies even, those people inherit the earth when the kingdom is present. And so Jesus is, he's not just giving us like a, a sort of definition of what the kingdom is that you could use in a theology essay. He's saying, if you guys, if you want to see the kingdom, then create a world where this is true. This is your map. This is how you know that the kingdom is, pr- is present because everything gets turned on its head. The people that society wants to push to the side, they matter to me. And if they matter to you, in, in your churches, in your communities, if these people get lifted up, if these people become grateful, if the, the mourning are comforted, if the people who are showing mercy are shown mercy, If people who are being persecuted can call themselves blessed, then you've got the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Now, the last thing I want to talk about um, as we go back to this is I want to to point out something that's really interesting. One of the things which I'm going to let you do in your own time if you'd like to, um, but one of the really interesting things you can do is you can look at the, the grammatical and language structure in the Greek of, of this passage and it's fascinating there's like there's the same number of Greek characters in each one and it's been really intentionally designed in this beautiful way um, there's papers you can find online about that but the thing I do want to draw out this, can we take that off the screen I feel like that's really distracting <laughs> I think I have a, a yeah there we go let's leave that up that's good the map of the kingdom of God uh, I, I want to draw just one thing out of the structure which is so there's eight of these blessed are for they, blessed after they, and the first and the last one are in the present tense, and all of the other six ones in the middle, they're all future tense. And that's not just an interesting grammatical fact, I think that actually communicates something really profound about what Jesus is trying to say here. Well, what's, what's Jesus trying to say with that? Well, the first, the, the thing that I think he's saying here is that um, this reality that we've just talked about, this reality that we need to seek if we're seeking the kingdom is both something for the future and for now. Um, if you have a Bible handy, open up to just go to the last page, basically, and then go back one page. So Revelation 21. Um, you know, the, the cool thing about the Bible is you're allowed to skip to the end and read, read what happens at the end. And this is what happens at the end. Um, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. One of the things that really unlocked this, this beautiful, I mean, what a stunning piece of scripture, right? What a stunning promise for our future. The thing that really unlocked this for me is there's this really key word in, in verse 5. Um, the, the one seated on the throne says, behold, I'm making everything new. Now, if you go to the shop and you, you know, to the dealership and you buy a new car and you get rid of your old one, you have a new car, right? So that's, that's one sense of the word new. And there's a, there's a specific Greek word that means new as in brand new. But there's another Greek word, which is like you have a vintage car and you lovingly restore it to the point that, it is, that you've, you've taken something that was old and broken and made it into something that is beyond precious, precious, precious beyond its value. And that's, that, there's another Greek word that means new in that sense, like restored, new with respect to form. And this word new in Revelation is that second one. When God says, I'm making all things new, he's not saying, I'm going to burn the world with fire and I'm going to make a new one that's, that's you know, the right way. He's saying, I'm actually going to take all of the broken pieces of this beautiful creation that is still very good and I'm going to make them new. I'm going to wipe every tear from your eyes. I'm going to, there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no mourning. There's going to be no more pain. And when you, when you, you think about that passage, and then you think about uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 10 that we've just read, it makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? It's, Jesus is saying, are you, are you grieving right now? Are you poor in spirit? Congratulations. This one's for you. And you, you think about Revelation 21 and you go, oh, it makes sense now. There's this future promise. There's this time that's coming when all of this is going to be true when God is going to be with his people and he's going to make all things new. But that's only six of the verses, right? That's only six of the couplets. We've still got the first one and the last one, which are actually in the present tense. When, you know, I read, I I love Revelation 21, but that's not my reality a lot of the time, is it? it? It isn't. And so you go, well, that's a promise for the future, but that's not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is that that time is coming, yes, but it's starting now. And so we live, what we call that in the vineyard is we call that the now and the not yet. Jesus started off the kingdom project when he was on earth because if you look at his ministry, wherever he went, it was like that, right? It's like Revelation 21, wherever Jesus was. And then In the passage we read about last week, the Great Commission, Jesus releases his followers to go and do the same. Wherever you go, honour people, give people dignity, love people, pray for them. You know, like Jesus did, like I did, Jesus is saying, go and do this stuff for people in the world. Go and create communities where you lift up and give dignity to the people that no one else wants to deal with. 
You know, the, the kingdom is coming in all its fullness in, in, on the last days, but our command is to start doing that now and start making that happen right here in Toowoomba. And so the, it's not just these Beatitudes, they're not just a promise for the future, but they're also um, a call for now for us to be the kind of people who would see this as our reality, who would use this as our map and create a space, create a community, create a culture within our church where these things can be true. And so that's what I think the Beatitudes are all about. And that's why I think Jesus uh, started his sermon this way. I'm so looking forward to unpacking more of this because Jesus doesn't just give us this and then mic drop and then walk away. There's a lot more sermon to go. We're going to learn how to... We're going to learn how to actually do that, how to follow in the way of Jesus and become the kind of people that can, can see this happen in our own context. But uh, for now, we're going to finish there, and I want to pray for us. So can we stand? Probably very cold. Feel free to like, shuffle that way so a few of you are more in the sun. Do you come here this morning and find yourself poor in spirit? Are you, just, are you just desperately in need of something and you can't quite put your finger on it? If that's you, congratulations. Have you come here grieving today? Uh, the loss of a loved one, uh, an impossible situation that you just can't see a way out of. Are you desperately needing comfort? You desperately, desperately in need of comfort today. Um, if that is you, congratulations. Are you a person um, who just wants to contribute something, who wants to, to bring yourself to church, to your workplace, to your family, but you just don't have the confidence, you just don't have that charisma, you just don't feel like you've got it to really contribute something valuable to the people around you? If that's you, congratulations. Are you desperate for righteousness? And when I say righteousness, I don't mean what we normally think of righteousness. I mean like that deep goodness that just comes out of your soul. Um, you know, Strong's defines righteousness as he who is as he is supposed to be. Are you, are you, are you desperate to be like that? Well, congratulations. Are you someone who shows mercy to people uh, even when it costs you? Are you someone who values integrity so much that you're willing to do the right thing even when it costs you? Are you someone who is desperate to see peace even when it costs you? And are you someone who's experienced persecution because of your desire to see the world the way it's supposed to be? Well, if that's you, congratulations. Your kingdom is coming. The kingdom is yours. You will be comforted. You will be blessed. You will be shown mercy. You will receive the peace that you seek. The promise of Jesus is for you. In the future, yes, but also his heart for you is that now. And so come Holy Spirit, and I just want to pray that you'd make this true in our midst. Wow, you made it to the end. Good job. If you want to listen to more of our messages, 
Just search out Toowoomba Vineyard Church wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also check out our website at tvc.org.au and find us on Insta at Toowoomba Vineyard. We'll chuck those links in the notes so you don't have to remember. That's all for now and hope you have an excellent week.